everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 149, if you can believe it. I'm Chad Dodson. With me again is uh, one of our uh, good friends, one of the uh, long time, one of the original writers at Red Leg Nation, and uh, a guy that, uh, with me, we've uh, announced some exciting news this week. Looking forward to talking about it for you guys. It's uh, Chris Garber. How are you today, Chris? Great, Chad. Well, that's good. Um, as I said, we announced something this week, and if you hadn't hadn't seen that, I'm really going to have to question uh, what you're doing listening to the, the podcast theory. You should have been reading Red Leg Nation every day um, or following us on, on Twitter. Chris and I, as it turns out, well, let me let me let me start uh, at this place. Uh, a few weeks ago, I kind of hinted on two or three episodes. Hey, we've got some news we're going to announce at some point, uh, really kind of a tease. And, and we finally announced it this week. Chris and I have been writing a book, and it, we actually wrote the book. It's it's completed, um, and uh, we've turned it in uh, to the to our editor. And, and it's the book's called "The Big Fifty: The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds." And I wanted to have Chris on so that we could talk about it. We've we've talked a little bit in the past. Hey, once we finally announced it, we we waited longer than we probably should have to announce it. Maybe I don't know. Um, but, but how does it feel to you, Chris, to know that, hey, we've we got an actual book, we've actually written it now, and uh, now we can talk about it a little bit? Yeah, it's, a, it's exciting. You know, we've, we've kind of kept this really close to the vest. I mean, a, a few of my uh, close, close friends and family I've told about it, or they kind of wonder where, where I've been. But uh, it's really exciting to be able to share this project and start talking about it because, you know, I think we're pretty excited about it. We are, and we, we put like you said, disappear for a while. We've put a lot of time into it over the last few months, and I do want to get into the origins uh, a little bit, but we, we did keep it kind of close to the vest, uh, friends and family, uh, very close friends, matter of fact, um, and family, very few. And maybe some of that, uh, some of the reason why I wasn't too excited to announce it early on was, yeah, let's just, let's make sure we get this thing written. Because uh, yeah. it turned out to be a, a uh, in some ways, a beast of a project. Uh, anytime you write a, a, an actual book, I don't know that anybody can understand. It, it, it was it was difficult at times, wasn't it? It really was, and you know, it, I I tend to uh, I tend to get lost in the research, and there's so much exciting and interesting material, and I just keep writing and writing and writing. I mean, to me, the hardest part was cutting it back down. <laughs> yeah, that was difficult. We uh, we had to, uh, and, and but I guess the the thing about it is, you're right. There's so much. We, we, you know, some, the Reds are a little bit of a laughing stock right now. But man, you look back at the history of this organization, and just we found story after story after story that we wanted to include. And 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 you're right, a bunch of it, it, it didn't get in. And we're going to try to share a lot of that at Red Leg Nation over the coming months. But um, it, it was kind of fun to dig in a little bit deeper into Reds history and and, and sort of the way we looked at it. I think you'll agree with this: is we were really trying to find a different angle. On all these, uh, you know, a lot of people know some of these stories, big red machine stories, things like that. A lot of people know the stories, but they think they know them. And, and our goal was to try to find a different angle or some unique stories that you hadn't heard uh, to put a different spin on on it. And uh, and I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm uh, got rose colored glasses here, but I really think we we succeeded on that. We got some interesting stuff in there. I think. I absolutely agree. I, you know, I mean, the two of us know a lot about Red's history, or at least I thought I did going in. <laughs> right. And. And every single chapter in this book is going to have something that we didn't know when we started. And that was kind of our goal, was to bring something new to the hardcore fan, something that you might not know, something, an interesting angle or a different, a different fact. And sometimes it's trivial, and sometimes it's really fundamental. But, uh, and we also want to make the book accessible to, to our kids, who are just kind of getting into baseball and just starting to learn about the Reds. And, 
and you know, kind of, we'll set the stage and give them the basics, but also have some really interesting facts for the people who think they know it all already. Yeah, I think that's the part that I'm going to end up uh, being the proudest of, maybe in some ways, about this book is that I, I think we did sort of navigate those waters and 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 thread that needle to use as many cliches as I can come up with here, uh, of, of making a book that's that's accessible to, you know, uh, the regular fan that maybe isn't as deep into Red's history as you and I have been since we were uh, kids, who just learning some of these stories or maybe just aren't up on some of these stories, but while also having some element to each of these chapters. I really think there's something in each of these chapters that even the hardcore Reds fan is going to say, oh, I didn't know that, or, or, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way, and... Uh, I really do. I really do feel like we we were able to accomplish that. I guess we'll have to let the readers tell us uh, when it finally comes out. Uh, but uh, I think that's going to be. I hope that was our goal, and, and I feel good about it. I hope that the readers uh, of the book, if there are any readers, um, I hope that they are able to to see that that, that we were able to accomplish that because uh, it makes it a little different than other Reds books on the market. I think, and, and I think it's uh, I think it's a unique product, and I'm. I'm I'm proud of it. I'm just, I'm just proud of it. I am too. I, you know, hopefully some other people will agree and some people will buy it and uh, read it from the local library or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, there's a lot of people, you know, I may have not have told everybody I was writing a book, but I have been pestering people like crazy with stories from the, the 1940 Reds or the 1918 Reds and all these different years past and stories that I never knew. And, you know, just maybe we'll see how the writing goes, but just in the telling, the stories are pretty interesting and everyone's, you know, been been found it interesting that that right. you know there was once a game where the, a Reds guy and a Cubs guy both threw no hitters for nine innings, and Jim Thorpe was on the Reds, and a lot of stuff I never knew. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the thing. Um, it, I, we went into it thinking, hey, can we find new stuff uh, that we didn't know? And uh, you know, not that we are the the be all and end all of Reds historians, but. I felt like every chapter there's something in there that I didn't know going into this project, and uh, so I thought that was a pretty good uh, barometer. Now, it is going to be uh, coming out. We don't have a specific publication date just yet, but it's going to be around opening day next year, spring 2017, so we got a little while before it comes out, um, and we've and we got some some more work maybe to do on it, but we have uh, we have finished the, the hardest part of the book. Um, and I thought it'd be good, uh, Chris, and I think you agree with this, to maybe talk about the genesis of this project, because... It's not a thing where a few months ago we decided we were going to start writing a book, uh, was it? <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, I, you know, I may not exactly – I don't remember whose idea it was, to be, to be I, honest with you. I don't either. I don't either because it's okay. been so long. Well, yeah, it's been uh, – was it 2005 or 2006? I could go back and, and get the actual answer to that. I might need to do that before we go on our big, huge nationwide book signing tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fallon, <laughs> Fallon's going to want to know that. Right, yes. He'll want that information. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, anyway, you know, back in 2005, 2006, um, we had just started Red Egg Nation, and I was in San Diego. You were where you are. But, right, yeah. uh, Virginia. Our, our, our lives were much different back then. <laughs> yes. And uh, we had the idea to write a book about the the 50 greatest games in Reds history. And we put together a couple sample chapters, which were, I thought were pretty great, and a proposal, and shipped it, shopped it around a little bit. And I mean, we got we got some interest, right? right? Yeah, yeah, just never anything where we finally got someone agreeing to publish it. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, was a, it was a good idea, I thought. I still do think it was a, it was a good idea. Yeah, it was a good idea. And every, I don't know, three or four years, we'd say, hey, whatever happened to that? Should we do that? something about that? And, and uh, thankfully, you kind of, Got us back on on track. What about 
probably almost exactly a year ago, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, it was last winter, I think. It was uh, a little bit less than a year, but almost. Um, yeah, and, and that project, we, the title of it was The 50 Greatest Games in Red's History Plus Five to Forget, I think, if you remember. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, and I still think we, we had a pretty good idea there. But, yeah, about a, a little less than a year ago, I said, you know, I, I talked to you and said, hey, you know, we've been talking about this thing forever. Um, the Red Leg Nation is going stronger than ever, and uh, maybe the timing's right to, to ship that back out and see if we get any interest. And uh, lo and behold, we had... Uh, like you said, we'd had some interest before, but at this point, we started to get some serious interest, uh, didn't we? And it, I, I don't know about you, but it kind of surprised me a little bit how seriously, uh, it, how serious it got pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think I think that's part of why I, I think I, I speak for myself. That's why I haven't talked about it a ton, is because I didn't want to jinx anything. That's exactly right. You know, I, I'm I'm not an author. I'm a I'm a lawyer and a and a dad and a suburban guy. I mean, I never really thought I'd be having a book in a bookstore, so I didn't wanted to wait till everything was was done and and signed and sealed and and delivered before we really started talking about it so yeah and we didn't really talk about why we weren't going to talk about it but it's funny to hear you say that because that was my deal you know we we talked about it forever but we're just a couple of dumb guys who write about baseball (laughs) on the internet you know and uh, we've had fun over the years doing that uh, but i wanted to make sure this was actually going to happen um and at this point, I guess we might be embarrassed uh, if something happens and, and it blows up in our face at this point. But I don't know that we're going to get much more confident. Uh, that it's co- no, I think it's going to happen. I mean, the publisher retweeted you the other day, so I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, the, the publisher retweeted with a comment that uh, can't wait for this book. It'll be a good one uh, or something yeah. like that. You know, So yeah. uh, it's fingers crossed. But, um, but now this, this book that we actually wrote is a little different. Um, than the, the the project that you and I had conceived way back when, uh, in the mid uh, the mid, I don't know what you call it, two right, two thousand five two thousand six whenever I, I just call that the Adam Dunn era. The, back in the mid mid uh, Eric Milton days. Yeah, um, the mid Miltons. The mid Miltons, uh, <laughs> and um, and maybe I'll let you address uh, the ways that it's different and how it evolved to where it is. It's not extremely different, but it it is different. Yeah, so so we're we're our publisher's Triumph Books, and they're a, a sports publishing house that has a lot of great books that I encourage anybody to check them out. And one of their one of their books is the, uh, for example, is the hundred things Reds fans should do before they die by our friend Joel Luckup. Right. And that was a series that they published with a lot of different teams, versions of different teams. And this new series, the Big Fifty, they have I think two out in baseball and a couple others in football that they're publishing. Now, they're going to publish a lot of different books for a lot of different teams, I assume, if they're successful. And it's about the Big 50. It's not just games. It's games, it's moments, it's men, it's whatever are the biggest 50 things, I guess you'd say, or um, that in the Reds' history. Right. So it was a little bit different for us. And we had focused real narrowly, originally, our thought was let's focus narrowly on games and use the games as a way to get into the men and the moments and the trends and the events. But this, the Triumphs format is just, it's almost a little more open for us. So rather than talking about a specific day in 1972 and using that as an avenue to talk about Sparky Anderson, now we'll just talk about Sparky Anderson in his own chapter. Yeah, and we kind of actually flipped it a little bit. In some instances, there, there were cert- we were going to use the original concept, as you said, as a way to as a, a jumping off point to discuss various things that we felt like were important in Red's history or maybe underserved uh, in terms of general knowledge. And in some of these chapters now, like with Sparky Anderson, for example, uh, 
or uh, let's say Johnny Bench. Let's use him for an example because one of the games in our original concept was his uh, his last game where he hit the big home run on Johnny Bench Day. Not his last game, but his last home run on Johnny Bench Night. And uh, instead of really using that game to uh, sort of jump off and talk about Johnny Bench, we kind of flipped it the other way. The chapter is about Johnny Bench, but we delved into that game. Um, if that makes sense, uh, what I'm saying. I'm not sure that it does now that I'm saying it, but we still focused on that game, but we expanded a little bit. It was a little more open and, um, and not as narrow of a focus. Uh, again, I still think our old concept would have worked very well as, as, as a, uh, a book project. But the, I think the way we approach this one as well, there's a good mix of games. There are some people that didn't really fit, like uh, Barry Larkin. You're going to pick one game of Barry Larkin's career to be able to talk about Barry Larkin? No, but... Um, I don't think we did, did we? <laughs> no, we didn't. No. Uh, there are too many. Uh, yeah, but a lot of guys like Johnny Bench, you could use that game. So uh, it was a, a pretty good hybrid of our original concept, along with what uh, Triumph wanted, and um, and I, again, I think it worked. Um, we came up with fifty men and moments, mostly moments, I think. Uh, uh, but when there weren't moments that would help us talk about the men we wanted to talk about, we we, we devote a chapter to the men, and. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think I think it ended up working. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I think so. Again, I'm, I'm a little biased, but um, I'm in love. I love the book. I'm in love with it. And I, I hope a lot of other people will too. I, I agree. Although at the, at the end we were, you know, <laughs> at the end I was I was ready to divorce it. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so you know, we we had so much great material, and I think this is the sign of a great book. Is we cut a lot of great stuff out of at least you know our first draft that we turned in. So, uh, you know, it's possible our editor looks back and says, where's all the good stuff and wants to put it back in. (laughs) But um, I think that's, like I said, I think that's a sign of a really good book. When the stuff that goes on the cutting room floor is interesting and well done and worthy of being in the book, it just can't fit. Yeah. I think we we succeeded. I I, I agree. It really hurt, didn't it? Cutting some of that stuff. It was painful. It did. Then I got numb. (laughs) Right, yeah. It was, at some point you're like, all right, well, we've cut all this other good stuff. Let's yeah. uh, let's make this as tight a narrative as we can, and and the most interesting book uh, within the the parameters that we've got. And uh, um, yeah, I, I'm proud of it. I, you know, I don't know. It's a little bit of an unknown still because this is our first go at this. But um, but I I do think that if there's someone looking for sort of a general history of the Cincinnati Reds, and yeah, a new fan maybe, um, you know, you can go and read. There's not really been a definitive history necessarily of the entire organization from beginning to end. I think this is a really good place to start for that fan. Um, I think so too. Yeah, because what, what, what this book's going to do? Sorry, this book's going to give you a taste of everything. I think of every era of just about every major character, and then you'll be able to go dig in deep, which is kind of what we did. You know, there's yeah. entire books in the 1940 Reds. There's an entire book on the 1990 Reds. There's more than one. So. Whatever, you know, when you read this thing, you're going to get a taste. You're not just going to get the basics, the, you know, the, the major battles and the, the presidents. You're going to get the flavor for what it was like at the time, what the people were like. And, and then you can, you know, dig in deep and find, find the, the part of Red's history you think is the most interesting and go deeper on it. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, I don't think what we've provided in any way is a, a surface uh, view of each of those eras or anything. I think we've gone pretty deep while making it as readable as possible. But um, it, but for someone who's just learning or maybe doesn't know much before, you know, the big red machine, 
There's there's a good bit in here. I mean, there's a lot of big red machine. Don't get me wrong. If you're if you're a big red machine guy, as as you can uh, as you can attest, there's plenty of big red machine in here. Um, but there's also a lot of other stuff. You know, uh, Johnny Vandermeer's double no hitters. You think you know about that? Well, there I guarantee there's something here you didn't know. Uh, and, and for those of you who don't know, it's going to be a good inter- introduction to that. Guys like uh, the 1961 Reds, the Ragamuffin Reds. You know that won the pennant. Uh, and surprised everyone. Uh, that's a fun story. Guys like uh, Frank Robinson and Veda Pinson and Gene Fries and uh, it's it's a fun team uh, to look at. And uh, if you don't have any knowledge of that team, this is a good introduction. And then you go read the book uh, later that's been written about him. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I think that you're going to find something. Uh, something. No matter what kind of Reds fan you are, we just talked about uh, if you're a, a sort of a new fan, but. I, I just can't imagine, and maybe Greg Rhodes, uh, the Reds historian, uh, maybe he might not find anything in there that he didn't know ahead of time. But I'm telling you, I, I think even if you're one of these guys that talks about, watches every Reds game and talks about him on Twitter and on at Red Leg Nation in the comments, uh, you know, we sort of harp on this, but I do think you're going to find something in uh, every single chapter. Uh, or at least forty nine out of the fifty chapters. How about that? I, I totally agree. I, I and I, you know, I honestly was was trying to find stuff that would that would stump Greg Rhodes and John Arardi and some of the really exceptional Reds historians. I, I, w- I would love it if they found something new in this book. I don't know if they will, but everybody else will. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, and let's let's just talk for a moment, if we could, about the amount of uh, research that went into this, because that's that's what we're really getting at. That's why we we're able to find a, a story. Uh, or a nugget, at least uh, in every chapter, multiple nuggets in all, pretty much every chapter that we were like, huh, how about that? Yeah. Um, you know, we dug through uh, Cincinnati Inquirer archives. I mean, I'm just, uh, that uh, those Inquirer archives, my brain is kind of fried from looking at that old newsprint. Uh, I feel like I've got newsprint on the brain. Um, yeah, it, that was, it's amazing. I mean, this is the kind of thing that we've talked about this. This book, we couldn't have done this book 10 years ago. Even though we wanted to, no, it would right. have been a lot harder. Oh, we would have been in an airplane and, and in a car and and up to our elbows in a library for weeks and weeks on end. But now that the full full text, full images of all the Inquirer archives are available online, you got to pay a little bit, but it's there. New York Times, Sports Illustrated, Sporting News, uh, Dayton Daily News for some years. I mean, you can get right back to the original source material. And it's not just like you're doing a search. I mean, you can just flip through the paper. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I got caught in so many rabbit holes from a scandalous murder in 1938 to a protest in 1972. I'm supposed to be looking for the sports pages, and I'm <laughs> flipping through the rest of the paper. But anyway, so you can get all this information, um, and then you just get into books. I mean, my library will order basically any book that's ever been printed, and there have been a lot of great baseball books printed and books about the Reds. I don't know. How many How many do I have in the bibliography? About 50? Yeah, I started to pull it up. Our bibliography is crazy. Yeah, I mean, just all the books um, uh, in, in addition to the newspaper. And I was like you with the newspaper. I, uh, how many research hours we wasted just <laughs> reading these old newspapers because it was fascinating to, to see this. Uh, yeah, I'm looking back at 1869 uh, newspapers for the Reds' uh, first game, and I'm thinking, man, this is this is insane. Uh, you know, yeah. regard forgetting the baseball, just I did. I I got went down those rabbit holes as well. But you're right. Uh, we should probably count it up um, again before we go on uh, the Tonight Show. We'll count that up. 
Um, yeah, there's sticklers for that. How many how many books? But yeah, just every book you could, we could find that could contribute anything here, and sort of take all these source materials, put them together, and you know, uh, see if we can put something together that's different than anything else we've seen out there. And there are a lot of great Reds books, like he said, but I really honestly feel like this one's different. Uh, and it's, maybe it's just because I'm so close to the project. I don't know, but I. I I really feel like it's different. Am I, uh, can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's different. It's, it's, a, it's a weird combination. It's, it's hard to explain this, but the book is really broad and really deep. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's it. completely unlimited. We start in we start in 1869, and spoiler, there's a game from 2016 in the book. <laughs> yeah. <If> and you... <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, but, and again, it's, but it's not just a... a highlights of of red's history i think in each each instance we pick and choose places that are interesting and can also shed light on the era that they're in but are kind of a, a contained story and interesting in, in themselves so that was we, we really didn't want to make it a a you know a, the high level just summary of red's history in in 300 pages because i don't think that does anybody any good Right, it, yeah, to just uh, repeat what's been said out there uh, before. And, and, and I, I think what you what you said there, um, I, I think you're right. It's a, it's just sort of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It, it's, it's it's different. It's it's good. I think you make me regret putting a 2016 game in when you mention it. I start thinking about 2016. Oh gosh, do we really? <laughs> but and I, we won't we won't give a spoiler out on that one. But I promise you, it works within the context of the the greatest men and moments in the history of the Reds. And you might be able to guess uh, what we're talking about uh, on that. But yeah, it that, that's a great way to put it. 1869 to 2016. It it does as under this format as as good as you can do. I I think. Yeah, I mean, if you remember, that was the first conversation and one of the first questions. I think that. That Triumph had for us because the two books that came out this yeah. year were were the Blue Jays, who started in 1977, so they have a, a really great, fun history, but they're dealing with less than 40 years of it. And the other is the Giants, and that book was specifically limited to the San Francisco Giants. So that is what 58 years, 57 years worth of history, right? Yeah, when they moved to San and Francisco. Yeah, so we're looking at basically three, four times as much time to to cover in the same amount of same amount of chapters and that literally was the first conversation we had with our editor wasn't it yeah yeah because you know they, they want to sell books and and i'm sure that uh, no one's surprised that there's a bigger market for books about people who are alive and people have seen and and people you're familiar with rather than a bunch of people in black and white photographs uh from from long long ago but i think we've really done a a great job of Picking and choosing the most exciting, interesting, relatable stuff from the kind of olden days of Red's history. Yeah, the, yeah, the best stuff, the most interesting uh, stuff, and we're you know, we're really patting ourselves on the back a lot here today. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird conversation, isn't <laughs> it's, it? It's very no, strange. No, we're great. How how great are we? <laughs> we're the best, best yeah, writers absolutely. you've ever seen. Probably, uh, probably the best. This is probably going to be the best book you'll ever buy yeah oh i not probably i mean i think that's almost a guarantee here uh <laughs> no but i do think that if you're dedicated enough to listen to a podcast i guarantee this is going to be up your alley um and, and i think it's gonna be up the alley of a lot of your friends and and family and i hope yeah. uh i hope you all will get behind it i'm 
I'm excited. It, it's going to be a great product. Triumph is, is even, you know, setting aside the writing, Triumph is a great publisher. It's going to be a first-class book. They've committed to filling this book with full-color photographs. Um, so it's going, to be, it's going to be a great product. Even if, the, even if you don't like the writing, it's going to be a great product, and you're going to, you're going to be impressed by how it looks and, and how it's put together. Yeah, and, you know, anybody can write a book and, and in some ways publish it these days. And I'm not, not, it's not to put off on anyone that uh, publishes, uh, self-publishes or whatever, but that's kind of what uh, I'm really looking forward to, getting the actual product in my hands. Because you're right, they do. Triumph puts, puts out a great product uh, just in terms of the actual quality of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting it in my hands. Uh, looking forward to going it, going into a bookstore, and seeing your name on a book. I'll be like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, that'll that'll be really a thrill for you. Yeah, it will be a thrill for me uh, and for everyone else, I'm sure. Uh, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 the real deal. I'm, uh, I don't know. We've said it a hundred times. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, yeah, I'm really excited for people to get their hands on it and to tell us yeah. what they think, uh, you know, cause I know. Yeah, you know, I want to just send it out. I, I'm sure Triumph won't be happy, <laughs> no. but I, I just kind of want to just, like, email it to anybody who wants to read it right now. Let's just publish but it think, at Relignation. You want to? <laughs> just a long, 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 long blog post. One big post. Uh, just scroll. Keep scrolling. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we won't do that. But we, but like, like we said earlier, we are going to have – we're trying to formulate a little bit of a plan where we can uh, publish some of the, the greatest hits that didn't make it, the cutting room floor – over the next few months and some things we can do to maybe some excerpts from the actual book and things to give you an idea of what, what we were going for. And, uh, yeah, it's gonna be, a, yeah. it's gonna be a fun few months. Yeah, I think so. And I, I again, people, people are going to know what they're getting before they, before they put down their $78 or whatever it's going to cost. <laughs> Good grief. It better not cost $78. <laughs> no, it's not. We're not, we're not using <laughs> university textbook pricing. No, I don't think so. Although no, someday this, I, Someday this book might be taught in their <laughs> finest universities. That could be. Yeah, Let's, that could be. Yeah. One of your finest, finest universities. <laughs> exactly. No, whatever, whatever. We're going to, you know, you're going to know what you're getting, and you're going to, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be worth the money. Yeah, I do too. And so, so obviously, uh, check out Red Lake Nation and, um, all winter long, and, and, uh, hopefully at the beginning of, uh, the season next year, as we get closer to opening day, I'm hoping we're all going to be a little more excited about the product the Reds might be able to put on the field next year. Um, and I hope, I hope, I hope that we have a moment during the 2017 season where we say, oh man, I wish we could have put this in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Volume two. There you go. There you go. Uh, the big 50 volume two electric boogaloo. <laughs> I like it. Um, what about this uh, 2017 team? Uh, if we can just transition away from the book for a moment, cause I do want to talk about, uh, our, our red legs that we, for whatever reason, keep watching uh, with about uh, 10 games, less than a dozen games remaining anyway. Um, and in some ways, I'll say this, all this research we've done and as, as just deep as we've gotten into Red's history, uh, in some ways it has made me, I'm not sure what the right word is here, but um, it's made me more disappointed <laughs> in the current product but in other ways, I, you know, like for example, the 1961 team, and we see, or the 1919 team, or uh, the 1939 and 40 teams, uh, really struggled right before then, and and you could see the the path to competitiveness, uh, for lack of a better term. And so that's if I'm trying to squint my eyes and 
be excited for the, the next good Reds team. I can say, hey, some of these other teams were bad, and then they were good. Maybe that'll be us. Uh, that's probably not the way to look at the 2017 Reds. Or the, let's talk about the 2016. Um, but, but they're closer, though, aren't they, to being a good team than they were in April? I, I think so, if you, if you don't count this week, which I'm not going to. <laughs> oh, the Cubs. The Cubs. See, I'm married to a Cubs fan, so I had no choice but to watch this week's games. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they've they've certainly got some interesting pieces. Uh, they've they've got some some interesting holes, and they've got some 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 of their interesting pieces are blocked, unfortunately, by by other players. So they they've got so many decisions to make this off season, and I don't know I don't know what they can do with it. I mean, what do you do with a guy like Brandon Phillips? Can they do anything? Is Brandon Phillips here for the duration? Uh, they can do something. I think the question is going to be whether they're uh, willing. To, to make the tough call here. Um, some of that's going to depend on what they think of uh, Dilson Herrera, who's supposedly the second baseman in waiting, the, the kid they got from the Mets in exchange for Jay Bruce. Uh, poor Jay, rest in peace. Um, and, and, but if he's ready, then I'm not sure they've got any – oh, yeah, I say that. I start to say that they don't have any choice, but I would have said – I did say that, I think, around the around the All-Star game this year about giving his spot to Jose Peraza. So uh, my fear is that they're not going to have the stomach for it, and we're going to see Brandon Phillips. Now, I think, do think they're going to try to trade him, and he may have a little bit more trade value now, and he may be willing to accept a trade. Now, I don't know, but I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for that. And um, I'm really afraid that come opening day, Brandon Phillips is your starting second baseman. And, and, and as much good as Brandon Phillips has done for the Reds over the years, to me, that's an indication that they're not 100% serious about this rebuild uh, or about doing it as quickly as possible. Does that yeah, make sense? I, I, yeah, totally. I agree. I mean, I, I, I'm not going you know, to rip Brandon Phillips as a player in it for his career or even today. I mean, he, he, he's not a bad baseball player, no. but he's not the kind of guy you start at second base if you're rebuilding. Nice. It's going to be a 36-year-old second baseman next year, and I'm not sure how that helps the next good Reds team to have him starting. Um, I think that's a good question for Brian Price. How does that help the Reds win? <laughs> how does that help the Reds? I don't want to hear his 77 uh, F-bomb response to that. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, I think we're going to know a lot more. I do think the Reds have made progress, and I think we do know more now than we did in April. And I think we've learned something about some of our uh, some of the young pitching, both in the minor leagues and on the big league level. Um, I think that we've learned things about Eugenio Suarez, and we've learned things about Jose Peraza, and we've learned uh, maybe learned that uh, Adam Duvall and Scott Shebler can be at least a piece on the next good team, whether whether a starter or a, or a bench guy, but some some talent there. So I think we've learned something. I think that we, when we get to opening day next year, though, uh, is Zach Cozart still here? And I'm, I'm a Zach Cozart fan. He's had a good, uh, sort of an underrated Reds career. And is Brandon Phillips here? Those are going to be my lit, that's going to be my litmus test. If those two guys are the, your two starting inf- middle infielders on opening day, then that's fine. I like those guys, but I think you make a very good case that they're not serious uh, about trying to be competitive as quickly as possible. I think you, I, I think. Maybe Dilson Herrera is not the guy, but he's an awfully good prospect. He's got big league time. He'll be 23 next year, and it's time to give him a time to give him a shot. Him and Peraza need to be the middle infield. 
Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, what about Jesse Winker? You know, we, we, you know, he's had a pretty good season. I don't know if they'll bring him up on opening day, but if he's not up after whatever his Super Two deadline is, after a month or two, um, that, I think that's what I think that's what we'll learn next year. Next year has to be the year they go all in on the guys that they hope can be. It really should have been this year that they hope can be a part of the next good Reds team. I don't know why in a lost season like this you wouldn't go ahead and do it this year. But there's, I guess, unique. Uh, we're, t- we're dealing with human beings in Cozart and Phillips, so but, you know. Yeah, the, I, I guess that's it. I mean, it's it is though. A, you know, it's easy for us to say it sitting here, but there is kind of a question of how bad, how bad do you want to do this, and how serious are you about it? And I don't think either of us are saying that Herrera or Peraza are the second coming. That, that those guys are going to be the guys. But, no, no, but you're, you're just not going to know. Yeah, we're not going to know until they, until you know. Like one of the things I learned in in, uh, in researching the book was how many at bats Willie Green got for the Reds back in the in the mid nineties. Right. I you see. know, and they they gave that guy every shot to prove that he could hit thirty five home runs and play third base in the major leagues. And eventually, they, when they traded him away, they knew that they didn't think that he could, yeah. and he couldn't. Um. Yeah, and Peraza, if it hadn't have been for uh, an injury uh, or two, for Cozart being sort of unhealthy at the end of the year, and for Billy Hamilton getting hurt, so he got a chance in center field. I don't know that we'd know about Jose Peraza now, and I still don't know that we know for sure. But he looks an awful lot like the type of guy that can be a, a big league uh, shortstop for a few years. Um, so uh, Herrera, who knows? He sh- Herrera should have been playing. Of course, now he had some injuries, uh, so we can't really pin all that on the Reds, but. That's a guy I would love to see playing second base for the Reds for the last two months of this season, just to see. So well, you know, I, I don't, yeah, it's just, I, I guess you just say, well, why'd you trade for him then? <laughs> right. Yeah. Why'd you give up Jim Bruce? Why'd you trade? Yeah, I, it just it's just a strange it's just a strange thing, and I don't know if we're ever going to get a real a real answer for it. But uh, you know, like we always say, there, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know. There's like, we have imperfect information. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a weird team, though. I mean, I think they've got they've they've obviously acquired a lot of talent, but it does seem to all fit a kind of similar mold in the same same positions, the same kind of players, and it's it's you know, are they going to build a team that looks like the nineteen you know early eighties Cardinals, where they've got a ton of guys who hit a lot of doubles and get and hit put the ball in contact, you know, put the ball in play, and they're just not going to have home run hitters on the team. Uh, I think you can make the argument that that's the the direction they're leaning. Um, I, I, I and I don't. I mean, that might work. I don't know that that works in Great American Ballpark no, in either. 2017. Riverfront Stadium, 1974, maybe. It it might have, and you know that again. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I, now I'm see, I'm see, I am seeing everything in terms of of what we what we learned from putting together the book and and how Bob Housem retooled the Reds once they moved into Riverfront to add speed and defense mm-hmm. and. And let go of some guys like Lee May, who had a ton of power. Yeah, play, play to your ballpark a little bit. Uh, and I, I hope that what we're seeing is uh, like that 1961 team. Like I said, you know, they brought in a bunch of young guys. They got rid of got rid of some uh, guys that were popular. Um, yeah, and good players. Good players. Woody Woodward was an all star, uh, or not? Woody was it? Woody Woodward? No, it was, no, it was um, uh, no, the guy that owned the pizzeria. <laughs> the guy that owned the pizzeria that we cut out of the book. Uh, <laughs> Roy McMillan. Roy McMillan, thank you. Yeah, uh, Woody Woodward's later in the 60s. Uh, Roy McMillan was an all-star, you know. Um, 
And they dealt him away. Joe Nuxall was uh, he was a little uh, on the outs with Reds fans at that time. If anybody can ever believe that Joe Nuxall was ever on the outs with the Reds fans. Uh, but th- but he'd been there for a bunch of years, more than a decade, and they got got rid of him. Uh, they got rid of a bunch of guys and brought in some young guys, and then they filled in with a couple of uh, veterans. Got like Gene Freese at uh, third base, and um, of course they had. But then again, I don't know that the uh, 2017 Reds are going to have a, a Frank Robinson or a Veda <laughs> Pinson, are they? Yeah, I don't know if they got a 25-year-old Hall of Famer and a yeah. 22-year-old almost Hall of Famer. Well, we got Votto. Who's, uh, yeah, Votto. But, That's good. Uh, yeah, we probably need a – need a, all right. Well, my, that theory just out there. Is Jim, is Jim O'Toole walking through that door? <laughs> Jim O'Toole is not – I don't know, maybe. Who knows? Um let me ask you this about next year's team. Let's say you're in charge of the Reds. What do you do with uh, in the spring? Uh, and I think I know your answer, and this may not even be interesting, but what do you do with uh, Michael Lorenzen and Roselli Glacius? Oh, those guys are those guys are in the starting rotation in spring training until until it doesn't work out. I I, I you know I'm, I don't have the MRIs and the doctor's reports or whatever they've got on Iglesias, but. If a guy's got great stuff and he's capable of throwing six innings, then that's what he's doing for my team. Yeah, those uh, those two guys, in my opinion, are two of the maybe probably four best arms that I've seen in this Reds organization. Uh, I think Iglesias is the best pitcher in the organization. That's my opinion, uh, just in terms of stuff and ability. But, uh, again, don't know about his shoulder. Will it hold up? Who knows? But those guys have to start. But I still think – I know everyone's down on Robert Stevenson and everyone's down on Cody Reed, the big uh, pitching prospects. I'm not. You know, they're kids. Uh, this is what they do. I mean, that's one thing we learned this year is, you know, you, pitcher, young pitchers are inconsistent as can be. Yeah. And, again, they may they, not make it. They may just They not may not. They may, may not be ever be good, but they're talented. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know you yet. Gotta, I'd rather watch them than watch Alfredo Simon. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, goodness gracious, yes. Um yeah, and I think that uh, maybe next year we'll be rid of the, hopefully the the Simons and the Olendorfs and and, and and those guys, and really uh, commit to a youth movement other than the middle infield. Uh, I don't know. I I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be an interesting team to watch next year. Jason Linden, who uh, writes with us at Red Lake Nation, he uh, he's been pretty adamant's not the right word, but vocal about that he thinks next year's team could be as good as a second place team in the central now way behind the cubs but he thinks if everything goes right and i guess if everything goes right they could but i do see a a path to a 500 team even next year now i'm not going to bet the ranch on that but i I can see i can squint my eyes and see that can you well i i guess my first question is where's devin masarocco is he catching 130 (laughs) games i I don't think he'll ever catch 130 games slugging 570 or something yeah what if we, I mean, if, if that you know what I mean, if you, if you somehow wave a magic wand and and uh, you know Devin Mesoraco from twenty thirteen fourteen comes back or twenty fourteen, I guess. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah, that may- he shows up. That's a big addition yeah, to the great. lineup. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, you're right. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. I I, I mean. It's hard to see. I, I can see the Pirates collapsing, and I can see the Cardinals fading faster than than we thought. Um, the Cubs aren't going anywhere, though. No. Although you'll go broke betting on the uh, on the Cardinals to fade, but uh, I, yeah. can, I can see it happening. Uh, Mesoraco, if we can get 100 games of him at catcher, 
another 10 or 12 or whatever at DH in the uh, interleague games. And then Tucker Barnhart, the rest, that, that might be the best we can hope for. And it might be, it'll certainly be better than what we've had. Yeah, that would work. That would work. I mean, you got to, you got to count on Adam Duvall kind of, I don't know if, if he's going to, you can't say what he was in the first half, but yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I'm just looking at uh, season numbers. He's got a 294 on base percentage. That's, that's rough to carry. And, and in it's the middle been, of the lineup. And, and actually, his, his on base percentage, his walk percentage have been better in the second half than, uh, than before the All Star game, if you yeah. can believe it. Uh, I'm actually much more bullish on Scott Shebler, 25 years old, and has put up roughly equal numbers on the big league level to Duval, except for the home run numbers, but uh, roughly equal, and had that monster Triple A season. He was a Triple A across. Uh, all all triple A. He's one of the three triple A all star outfielders by I think Baseball America or wherever. Um just an amazing season. So yeah, he's not a guy that I want starting for the next seven years out there either, but if I had to choose one of those two, as crazy as it sounds, I'm yeah. probably picking Shebler over the guy that was an all star this year and hit thirty plus home runs. Well, I think that's right. I think Shebler when 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 he came over was probably a more at least a little bit more highly touted, wasn't he? Than he was a top five Duvall. prospect at one time in the Dodger organization. He dropped, he had dropped a little bit before the Reds got him, but he had been a top five prospect. Um, but neither yeah. one of those guys are going to be. I mean, they are what they are. That you know, uh, a little bit of pop, and neither one of them are going to be world beaters. But they could be pieces. Yeah, there's just a lot of yeah. questions still before the Reds are competitive again. There's just so many questions. In this field, you know what what this feels like to me. It feels like the right manager might be able to spend some sort of magic with this bunch of ta- with this bunch of players and this talent. I don't know who that manager is. I have no idea if that manager even works right now. But you look back on guys like like Davey Johnson or Jack McKeon in the more recent history who kind of took a team that wasn't expected to be incredible and and got a lot more out of them than they were supposed to. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I'm hearing. Uh, I'm sorry for interrupting you there, but let me tell you what I'm no, hearing. I, what I'm hearing you say is the Reds need to rehire Dusty Baker. That's what I, that's what I'm taking from what you're saying. It could be it. That could be it. <laughs> I think Dusty Baker might be a, a really good manager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting thought, and uh, and that leads directly into the question of well, what do we do with the current manager? Yeah, and I I don't know that I don't know that Brian Price can't be that guy. I just think it's probably unlikely he's going to be that guy now yeah i think that's I think for that's this team now it. yeah uh, my you know pick- i feel like managerial change does seem to actually have an effect sometimes just a, a different way of looking at things for helps people in their you know their job sure. even if it's even if it's not better or worse just different sometimes is, mm-hmm. is better yeah we've seen that we've seen that uh, in the past certainly and, and i think the jack mckeon uh is is an interesting uh interesting uh comparison uh, with Price, I think Price is. I my opinion is he doesn't deserve to be fired, uh, based on the what what he's been given to work with. On the other hand, I think probably at this point we, even though he's not given been given the material to work with, we probably have learned that he's at best an average manager. Um, he's he, he's probably not the worst, but he's. I don't know that I'm confident he's he's not the next uh, Joe Madden either. And so that's an interesting idea. Is is a change going to help them take an even bigger step forward than you would expect them to take otherwise? Because I think you would probably agree they they should be better next year, just not having to deal with that bullpen and all the injuries to the pitch. Assuming that people are healthy, that yeah. they had to deal with in the first half this year. Yeah, I agree. I buy that, and I agree with you what you're saying about Brian Price. It's not that he deserves to be fired, 
but at some point too, I mean, like we learned in, in all that research, a lot of guys get fired that didn't deserve it. Yeah, Davy Johnson, you know, like Dave, you just mentioned, yeah. Dave, Dave Bristol didn't deserve to be fired when they hired Sparky Anderson, but it was a great move. Yeah, it worked out uh, okay. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the price. I do, I don't do think that uh, unless I can find that guy that I really have one hundred percent, not one hundred percent, but the guy that I believe can be the guy to navigate the next two or three years, I probably see if he'll buy it on a one-year contract and keep keep looking for that guy. But if I think so. Yeah, it's interesting. You don't get that like you do in in uh, in other sports. You kind of have this this there's this kind of list floating around of five or six coaches, whether they're an offensive coordinator in in football or they're a college basketball coach looking to go to the NBA, and you kind of have these guys who you're like, well, if that guy we could get him, yeah. then it would be great. Baseball doesn't really have that, do they? No, not really. I mean, the guys I've heard are what about uh, Searage, the pitching coach for Pittsburgh, or um, I don't know if the Reds will go with the pitching coach again after Brian Price, but yeah. Uh, yeah, there's really not that lo- that logical candidate, uh, the the hot hire. You know, every year you hear about uh, a big college basketball job will come open, and there's always the the young gun that's the the hot commodity, and you really very rarely see something like that in baseball. So, are the Reds going to hire a new manager? Okay, maybe, but who's it going to be? I have no clue. It, if if it's going to be Delano DeShields, the manager at AAA, I just assume they keep Price. Frankly. Uh, but if you can find a guy that's going to be better in price, and again, we're dealing with imperfect information. If you got, if the Reds have more information than, than we do, and they have a guy in mind, I'm willing to buy it, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm always worried about getting another Bob Boone or a, a Jerry Naren or a Ray Knight uh, as well. So, or, or, or even a guy like Dave Miley, who was remarkably successful managing the Reds minor league system, who developed a ton of talent, who mm-hmm. won, and everybody said all the great things and. He guy deserves a shot, and it, it didn't work out at all when he got the job. Yeah, he was a guy that uh, was a nice guy, you know, and a guy that I was sort of advocating for. I thought he did deserve a shot at the time, uh, as I recall, and seemed a little bit in over his head maybe and just uh, ended up being a little bit of a disaster. Wasn't able to control that clubhouse. And, and the Reds, you can't again, you can't blame all that on him. The Reds are pretty awful for every manager they had during that era. But, um, yeah, yeah, I just – I don't, I don't know what to do. That's a tough call, and it'll be really interesting to see what the Reds do uh, on the managerial front. Uh, anything else to this current team that we really need to talk about? Or are we ready to put this season to bed? I think I'm done. I think I'm done with it. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I guess I'll say Joey Votto, Joey Votto, Joey Votto. Yes. And, uh, and, and Billy Hamilton was, was a lot of fun. I mean, obviously he's an exciting player. He always, always has been, but he's, now, he's a real player. Thank you, because uh, I was getting ready you know? to say that, and it really I'm glad that you said it before I got a chance. Uh, I've been uh, mocked a little bit for my uh, Billy Hamilton support, but yeah, he's a you know he's not an MVP, but his his season's probably over. His on base percentage was over 320 at age 25. You know, and showing some sort of an upward arc, and what a fun player to watch. And if he can get on base higher than 320 on base percentage, he can help this team. Uh, and of course, his defense is second to none. So, yeah, that's there were some good things about this year, weren't there? Yeah, this is going to be. I'll tell you what, though, when somebody goes to the the 2016 Baseball Reference page in 30 years and sees Dan Straley was the leader in wins above replacement on this team, yeah. they're just going to be so confused. They're going to look at those pictures and say, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> right, and this in, guy with a beard. I'd never heard of that guy in. 
and in 50 years when somebody writes uh, the big 100 uh, for the Reds, and they at that point we'll know whether this is a team. It could be a great story. Here some of the young guys got a chance, and uh, you know we can see how Joey Votto took this group of ragtag Reds and led them off into the stratosphere over the next three or four years. Or we can just see it as the like the 2003 Reds who had no hope. Uh, so what, the, the narrative, I guess, for this team is still to be written, I guess is what I'm saying. Yep. All right. Well, the narrative of the big 50 moments in Reds history has been written. And, and Chris, I, I wanted to say to you, I, I appreciate uh, it's been it's been difficult, but it's been a lot of fun working with you. And I look forward to continuing to work with you as, to make this the best uh, best book possible. But it's been fun, man. And I really appreciate uh, everything. Appreciate uh, your hard work. And, uh, and I don't appreciate the fact that you're such a good writer. You made me look bad, but I can deal with that. Well, thank you, and, and, and I same back to you, and, and the, you made this project happen. So um, all the credit goes to you for, for getting it done, for working with the publisher, and for, you know, all the other work you're doing and, and getting yourself published and showing how good a writer you are, uh, whether it's Cincinnati Magazine or ESPN or, or everywhere else. So I think, I think that's really the difference between when we pitched this in 20, 2005 and now. So uh, thanks to you. Well, I think you're giving me a little more credit than I deserve, but I do think that um, this project would not have been possible if there weren't two of us since we both uh, work uh, during the day, really working hard to get this thing. I don't think it would be the quality that we were able to achieve if you and I, number one, weren't able to work together so well, but also uh, willing to put in the hours. And uh, and I'm proud of it, man. I'm really proud of what we've done. Yeah, I'm excited for everyone to read it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. All right, well, you know, this is uh, Red Lake Nation Radio, episode number 149. If you are subscribed to us, thank you. Uh, go to iTunes, leave us a rating, and leave us a review if you have good things to say. If you don't have good things to say, just keep your mouth shut. Uh, tell your friends uh, to subscribe. If you're not subscribed yet, go go subscribe iTunes, or you can also go to the uh, the website there at redlegnation.com, and you can subscribe via whatever your podcast device, whatever you use, whichever app. Uh, also go to Red Lake Nation every day to uh, read about the Reds. That's what we do since 2005. We've been writing about the Reds every single day uh, pretty much. And uh, even when they're bad, we still figure out something fun to write about. You can follow uh, us at Red Lake Nation on Twitter. Follow Chris at CGarber8 on Twitter. Follow me if you want to. I don't know why you would. At Dotson C, D-O-T-S-O-N-C. Uh, Chris, thank you, buddy. Thank you, sir. All right. For Chris Garber, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.